0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer.
1: Welcome to the Go Big
2: Redcast. I am your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Hey, Redcast Nation, we're closing in on a major milestone. Please tell all your friends and family to follow us on Twitter and become our lucky 2000th Redcaster. We actually had it all lined up to give that person free tickets and transportation to, to in-use bowl game, but, well, you know. All right,
1: and I'm also with Boomer.
0: I would just like to welcome uh, Carl Pelini back to the ranks of uh, FBS-level coaching, and I uh, wish godspeed to the good people of Bowling Green, Ohio.
1: <laughs> yeah, Carl's getting another shot at the big time. He really is. Uh, it's only a matter exciting. of time
0: till someone realizes we're star for entertainment and bo should get back to the, the ranks of the <laughs> fbs 2 people. I mean, come on. Make it happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, uh I I read something from uh Adam Adam Rittenberg tonight from ESPN uh, complimenting Bo Polini on his suggestions from a few years ago on uh the recruiting uh with the different different periods essentially and saying that Bo had the best ideas. Uh, an idea that he didn't uh, exactly espouse to, but we now have is this December signing period uh, that's going to be kicking off this week. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll tackle that here in uh, just a little bit. Uh, it's definitely a change in the college football landscape. Uh, so, guys, uh, we've got a, uh, a week here where Scott Frost has been down in Florida coaching UCF. Also doing recruiting for us. Uh, we're going to have those guys, at least some of them, sign uh, this week and on Wednesday morning. Should be an interesting uh, setup. Uh, Hockey, um, Boomer, actually, uh, either one of you guys, uh, what do you think about this uh, new uh, signing period, essentially?
2: I think it's done a lot to just speed up things, obviously. You know, it's speeding up everything from... When coaches, if you're going to make a change at a school, when coaching changes are being made, it speeds that thing up to the point of where Florida is, you know, firing their coach six weeks before the season's done. Um, it speeds up what schools and recruits on both ends of it, where they have to make, they actually really have to come clean with their commitment. Are you actually serious about coming to this school? Yes or no as a player. If you are, you'll, you'll commit this week and put pen, put your name to, to paper if if you're not then you know that's going to come out too in schools it works both ways there too cuz schools sometimes they're offering players and they're not always uh completely genuine with uh with that offer and so a lot of this you know you'll see some schools making you know pulling offers away and that can be for a lot of reasons so um but the point is it just it speeds up everything on the calendar and it's it's been kind of a little bit of a of a crazy year so far because of that as Schools are trying to adjust to this first year of this early signing date. Yeah, it's, I mean, Nebraska has a situation, well, uh,
1: dozens of other schools have a situation where they have a new coaching staff and they're dealing with this new recruiting period or or signing period. Uh, And we just don't know how it's going to shake out, right? Uh, It's kind of interesting, though, to your point, Anki, it feels like there could be some winners and losers in this, kind of in the pecking order uh, both from schools and recruits, it feels like certain schools probably aren't too worried. They're going to get who they want to get, uh, and there's recruits, the uh, four and five star guys that have lots of offers and solid offers that uh, are, are not too worried if they need to sign here in December or wait till February. But there's a lot of people probably in the middle that might be feeling a little little skittish tonight, if you, if you know what I mean. Boomer, what are your thoughts on that?
0: That's a lot of truth to that. Again, it's, it's, you know, total new territory for everybody here, so I'm not sure anyone knows exactly what's going to shake out. There are definitely going to be some winners and losers in all this. You know, schools that like to kind of drag their feet before they make their, you know, firm offers to everybody, they're just not going to have that luxury, you know, for players. You just never know if someone is going to snap them up early at this point, so that's going to put a lot of pressure on teams to really speed up their evaluation process and try to try to nail guys down early here and, and get those recruits signed early. That's probably going to actually put pressure on teams like Alabama that usually were able to kind of hmm. drag out recruiting because they had the luxury of waiting till February and could, you know, sift through all the four- or five-star guys at kind of their leisure, so they're, they're not going to have that now. You know, I, I do wonder, you know, what, what recruits, you know, I know we don't always put a whole lot of stock into the whole, you know, stars thing, but I just wonder what if there's going to be, like, a majority of early recruits are going to be, like, the three- or four-star guys and the, you know, five-stars are still going to hold out until the end to kind of see who offers or what we're going to see happen on this. That's that's one of the things I'd be curious to watch is just what level of recruits do that's, sign early. That's a really, really good
1: point. I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I think, you know, the the best way I heard it described to me was, uh, I think it was Andy Staples talking on ESPNU radio, and he was saying, come come Tuesday, uh the day before signing day, uh, a recruit is gonna get multiple envelopes on their doorstep delivered by FedEx, right? And the Alabama and Ohio states of the world, if they're slow playing somebody, as we've used that term before with some of our own situations, and and suddenly don't want to extend a a real full scholarship offer to some three-star recruit that they have committed, Uh, and they they don't deliver uh, the paperwork for them to sign on Wednesday morning, but a a middle-tier SEC team or even a group of five team has it right there, that's really an interesting situation, right? I mean, it really makes everybody put their cards on the table. Uh, You can't really, the scholarship's real or not at this point for these 72 hours, and you can sign it and jump on it and, and, and go
2: for it. Yeah. You know, hockey. Yeah, I mean, as it, how it affects Nebraska personally just in the last couple of years, I think we've we've talked about this before. We've slow played some, some in-state kids before, the Englehops and the Chris Walkers. Yeah. And those are guys that, you know, in years past, if there was an early signing date, they might not be at Nebraska right now. Those two specifically would be at, at Wyoming. That's a great point. And so it becomes hey. all the more important. I think hey, it's a good thing for Nebraska is that if there are kids that we want to get – Go and offer, you know, offer them. Make those offers on the table, and and uh, we should get those guys signed up early and, and not have to, to worry about them these last two months before the, the February signing date. That's a good
1: point, Onk. We, we've had multiple arguments about uh, Chris Walker, right? But he was a Wyoming mm-hmm. uh, commit, quote-unquote, a pledge, as you like to call them, uh, up to a week before the February signing date last year, right? So yep. in, if this was the situation last year, it's likely that Chris Walker... Signs with Wyoming, mm-hmm. right? Yes, correct. Fair to say? Yep. You know, uh, it, it, bringing it back to Nebraska a little bit again, and I'm probably going to botch his name, the, there's this uh, commit we have from uh, St. Louis, the wide receiver. Cam Brown, is that right? Yes. Uh, Cameron Brown. Mm-hmm. And he's he's committed to Nebraska, but all, all signs indicate that he wants to sign with Ohio State. His... Uh, classmate uh, Bib, I think is uh, who was Nebraska was hot, hot after is uh, already committed to Ohio State uh, so everybody's expecting that Cam- Cameron Brown is not going to sign with Nebraska on Wednesday he's going to sign with Ohio State but he hasn't decommitted from Nebraska and that's, that's curious to me because it feels like to me uh, maybe Ohio State isn't quite as hot on him right I mean this is, I'm just this is theoretical here I mean maybe he goes and signs with Ohio State and there's no, no signing day drama. It's uh, exactly what the uh, rivals guys are, are telling us, or whatever. But maybe Ohio State doesn't have a spot for him, or maybe it's a soft spot, and he's he's holding on to that Nebraska uh, commitment uh, as something in his back pocket. You know?
2: Yeah. Well, th- and the Redcasters listening to this right now, you you have the advantage on us because as we're recording this Tuesday night, obviously some of the things that are going to come out on on signing day. Um will Will kind of give the answers to this, but even guys like the York, uh, Nebraska defensive tackle uh, Maisry Mapu, um, Nebraska. I'm not saying they would pull his his offer, but there's a lot of concerns right now on his academics, and they aren't right. necessarily ready to have him sign tomorrow. Doesn't mean that they don't want him to sign in February, but they don't necessarily. Everything that we've been reading and hearing, they're not sure that they they are prepared to have him. Uh, have that tomorrow because if he did sign and then didn't make grades it would still go against your class so you know right once you give it away once they sign it it's it's gone so um yeah, yeah
1: i think they're the situation i think the player and the, the school is probably on the same page but the work's got to be done right and mm-hmm. so hopefully uh, uh i'm gonna botch his name again masri mapu mapu Mm-hmm. Um, gets 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 things done in the, in the classroom, and that all works out because he's been with the class for a long time, and actually could be a really good fit in a uh, three four in that nose tackle spot. So, um, all right, guys, anything else you're expecting to see uh, on this uh, this big signing day? Anything else of, of note? Probably if a lot not, of Twitter can, panic. Uh, I so.
0: <clears throat> Boomer, go ahead. Probably a lot of Twitter panic, I suppose. From from oh, good of point. Every School,
1: yeah. It, it could be a good follow for a while. Yeah, uh, I could imagine. There's a some some ridiculousness going on with that for certain. All right. Well, you know, another uh, important part of the program under Tom Osborne was the walk-ons. And it seems like Scott Frost and company really interested in trying to bring some element of that back. There was a huge walk-on event last Wednesday uh, where, where Scott and uh, Matt Davidson and others uh, spoke to Collection of I think maybe forty or five, 50 kids, in-state kids, uh, and we had several uh, preferred walk-ons commit on the spot that that night, and we've had multiple uh, preferred walk-ons commit since then. So that's a growing part of the class. I think maybe a dozen or so, and I expect more. Uh, and so I think it's a an interesting uh change in direction or maybe it's not so much of a change in direction you know the walk-on program hasn't gone away uh, entirely i guess but i don't know honky you've got a lot of thoughts on this and probably have uh some some interesting ideas what do you think about the walk-on program and the, the state of it right now and where it's going to go
2: yeah there's it's definitely a, a key part of the history of this program there's no doubt about that and it's definitely been in the in the uh the, all the rage in the discussion literally since uh, at you know Dave Remington brought it up as an interim athletic director during one of those press conferences. and I think there's a lot of truths and myths and some reality and some things that that aren't so true when talking about it but but the reality is is that they want to build those numbers back up but I don't think that it just fell apart underneath underneath Riley either. I mean we did have walk-ons out there so, so hockey uh, let's
1: let's 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 play a game here. A little bit. All right? You make that statement and then uh Boomer and I uh you, you can ask the question myth or truth and we'll respond if we think that's a myth or a truth about the walk on <laughs> okay program. Sound good? Well I
2: guess what we'll start with the very first one is that you know, did the yep. did the walk on program go away at any point between let's say Solich and and now Frost? I will say myth.
0: Yeah, myth. Although it seems plausible. <laughs> That's right.
1: Callahan, yeah. Callahan did bring it way down, though, right? That was probably the lowest point. You have some numbers on that, Hunk?
2: Yeah, I don't. I I don't right in front of me. I, I I seem to remember that you know it was somewhere in that the low 100s. And just in the right. last few years here, it's been about the 120, 125 range. Um, now, I guess this could be another question of the truth or myth: is that uh, we have limited space in the North locker room, so that we cannot have you know. Uh, 150 or 170 whatever uh players all dress up there
1: is that a myth or i'm gonna say that's truth?
0: true
2: i think that's
1: true i think there's a limited space about 150 or so sounds right and if they would go over that they probably have to have auxiliary locker rooms in some other part of the stadium or cook yeah so right or
2: right about now we have about 125 that can that can dress up on the north side. And then there's a, a secondary locker room and I, I know one of the walk-ons Chris Cassidy his dad um, and so I've been talking with him kind of over the last couple of weeks and it's been really fascinating to hear him go through this process but as he mentioned they have a secondary auxiliary locker room in the uh, in the cook pavilion and that one's probably is about 25 or so lockers so 125 another 25 you're somewhere in that 150 range um, and as he said the one that's in the in the cook pavilion that's nicer than a lot of the d2 locker rooms that they went around and during recruiting so you know it's it's nice facilities and everything but um so that's kind of the 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 current logistics that they have to deal with not that you can't add on or do anything like that but those are just some of the logistics some of the other logistics are with with title nine and and bill moose has mentioned this a couple times and i don't think i really fully understood this that it could affect you but when you are a a Preferred walk on. You are essentially You're a scholarship player without the scholarship, and I know that sounds that sounds a little dumb to say, but there's a lot of things you do still get as a preferred walk on, uh, from training table to Adidas gear to to all the tutors and 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 advisors helping you with three and four and five year plans. All that all that's available to you, and and so I think that it's it does affect Title Nine. I I'm not an expert on how it does all of that and. And and quite honestly, Bill Moose has made that reference that that they have to figure some truth,
1: of the... truth or myth. Honky's an expert on
2: Title Nine.
0: <laughs> myth <laughs> busted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: That that would be a myth. That is that is correct. Honky is an expert, and you can stop right there. Would be that's already you could probably just <laughs> say myth. Uh, but Honky, here's a
1: question for you uh, how how big did some of the uh, the the total the football program in, in numbers, or maybe by recruiting class, how big did they get under Osborne? I mean, how big are we talking about? And uh, I mean, where in the heck did they locker at?
2: Yeah. Well, there, there were years that they had, you know, 200 kids on a on a team. And, of course, back then they were lockering in the South Stadium. The North Stadium had facilities in the old, uh, you know, field house, Schulte Field House up there. Oh, yeah. Um, and so – yeah, they they found a way, and plus you know locker rooms back then too. I'm sure they didn't have uh, you know five foot wide lockers with iPads and all the you know good you point know, rich mahogany and everything uh, that that the, the ones they probably today had like have. three. Three lockers for every
1: one they have today (laughs) in that space, I would imagine.
0: Probably. Well, people were smaller then, Dave, you have to remember. Oh, yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah. (laughs) You could could really stuff someone into a locker back then. It was Mm -hmm. tight. Now you can put two people in one. But, Dave, to to the point, though, like we were looking at it last night. We were doing a text chain back and forth, and we were looking at some of the recruiting classes of just specific years, and I think it was 1996. They had like 51 walk-ons that year. According to the, at least the insane. the one page, the webpage that we saw. And so, you know, it was on the internet. It has to be true. And that just <laughs> blows you away. But, but I, I, and some of the things that they, they talked about in that, the walk-on um, uh, event last week, uh, Coach Frost was there. And I guess he did mention at one point, 19 was the number he said for spots that they felt like they had available right now from a recruiting standpoint in terms of scholarships. Um, now that's a fluid number and that can change. But when you hear about you know how big are we going to sign, um, that's I still maintain I think it's going to be a smaller number. I've heard some people say now it's just going to jump and be twenty five, twenty six. I wouldn't just go that route um, if I was Coach Frost. Uh, I think Pelini tried doing that right away, kind of in year one. And to be honest, I'd rather keep these numbers small this year. Uh, we're going to have a, a decent sized team next year as is, and I would I would want to have next year after one full year of being on the job i would like next year's class to be as big as it could possibly be but not just try to load up here in the last month just to just for the sake of doing it my guess is we'll right. be somewhere in that that upper teens kind of range maybe 20 maybe 20 yeah that makes sense you can oversign a little bit
1: if you expect a little bit of attrition but if you have 19 spots you, they definitely shouldn't go over
2: 22 mm-hmm. um, that would be an hey.
1: absolute max i think
2: and what's what's most important, I, I think, in a, in a transition year, is, is if you the more guys you can get on campus early, whether it be the JUCO route, which I think is a great route to go for certain spots of need, and it looks like they've identified a few guys, a receiver, a DB that kind of fit that mold. Uh, definitely the quarterback, and I think we can feel pretty safe in saying Adrian Martinez is signing, uh, and so yes. uh, and he'll be here in spring. The more of those guys, I mean, they're going to be learning everything at the same moment that the veterans are. So, um, you know, trying to bulk up that spring roster as much as you possibly can is is a good thing. And I should mention too, because we seem to be one short on the show tonight. Uh, Mac is not here. He uh, Mac, Mac, where you at, man? He's got the sniffles, I guess. So, uh, so he's he's uh, missing out on the fun this week. <laughs>
1: I I hear he's nearly on his deathbed, all right? I mean, he's really ill. So let's give the guy a little bit of credit. Um, We're here to win one for the Macker. That's right. (laughs) So, I mean, something with the walk-on program that is interesting to me is what does it mean in raw numbers of the program and how does that allow the coaching staff to run practices and, and what actual additional challenges that poses for a coaching staff right Mm -hmm. i mean so osborne had a coaching staff that was used to having 180 to 200 guys there and each position coach has you know 15 or or more guys and that's just a, a really you know really big position uh room i guess on each scenario uh but it does allow you to have practices where everybody's getting lots of reps, right? Mm-hmm. But e- even in this, you know, this... I, I, I just—I should read my Osborne books uh, over again. The, the four-station philosophy of having, you know, three or four different stations going all at the same time and everybody getting those multiple reps in. It seems like to me if I just do the simple math on this, Boomer, you're the mathematician here, right? 11 on 11, that's 22, 22 guys, years, yes. four stations... 88 guys should be able to run that, right? I, if you have some guys missing practice and et cetera, sure, you know, should be in the low hundreds. But what do you need 150 or 170 walk-ons for? Well, granted, I mean, you uh, might have,
0: you know, 20 kickers or something on your walk-on roster. So I guess there is, you know, you're not going to be able to fill out a perfect 11-on-11 11 11 with any given 88 players, I would imagine. Sure, yes, so there teams, is that aspect of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the, I, the num- I guess so. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, honk. Yeah, the number that that I was hearing for, um, for what they used to do under Osborne, there was they would have uh, the top three uh, stations. They would try to average at least a hundred reps per station. So you were getting, you know, the first and the second, and the third strings. And I and I, to your guys' point earlier, I don't know that it was exactly twenty two persons per per station let's say it's 33 just to kind of give a nice number if it was about 33 for the first three stations about 100 people are getting basically 100 reps the equivalent of that right that's why a team an osborne team could be so consistent from from first string to second to third i mean they've all been getting a lot of snaps and 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 is it fair to say hon yeah i just wanted to i'm sorry buddy uh -hmm.
1: fair to say that frost Believes in that same philosophy, right? I mean, it's a different offense, but oh, yeah. it's about having a, a, a. It's it's all about repetitions. It's probably simpler playbook, mm-hmm. lots of formations, but I mean, it's about doing this over and over and over again, right? Very different than the Riley philosophy in that sense. Is he, that what he did? At
0: he head. has made that... that for practices. Do we know or did he run? Something I don't know or... that they
2: they. Ha- I don't know that they were dealing with the numbers that we're talking about, but I know specifically the style of practice that they were running is that. 're gonna run they're gonna have a lot of guys moving everyone's moving they, they've made this mention multiple times they don't want guys on helmets off and and knees on the ground they don't want any of that stuff so right. it's a it's it and you mentioned Dave earlier is that a challenge to get that many guys it just depends on how you view it if it, it's a challenge or or it's an opportunity I think Callahan looked at it as a challenge and he wanted to get those numbers down to about the 105 which is what you can bring to camp to start off in fall to begin with Um Right. Osborne looked at it as an opportunity, and why have so many guys? Well, there's injuries. There's opportunities to find guys that are the, you know, even if is it worth it if you can this find one raw, or two guys.
1: Yeah, it's raw numbers, right, it's Honky? Just, I mean, literally, you if you have an extra 25 walk-ons and just one of those produces, that's one guy you got without having to do almost any recruiting, anything. You, you invested in those 25 guys to get one or two guys to produce and – it, from, from a raw numbers per, uh, perspective, you're bound to land a few extra uh, producers on the roster through that process, right?
2: Sure, yeah. And and this is Nebraska, and there are unique things here, and, and there are advantages in having an extra 10 or 20 kids that are just from 10 or 20 other towns across Nebraska that, you know, once you have That's that one point. connection and he's from Shadron or he's from wherever you pick the city, uh, the town, uh, it just it it's a connection to the state and and so uh, it, and you mentioned sure, it last week, Dave. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it last week too, Dave. Is that part of this is about the fun of this and like getting good? I mean, right now it's hard for us to envision. Why would you come here over going to some other school? Why would you come here over over uh, an offer to North Dakota State or versus going to you know some some other place and getting paid? But if we were actually good. Over the last five years, if we were a traditional New Year's Bowl team, where where you're going to be playing for titles absolutely. and you're going to be on that, na- you know, going to, to to great locales for their bowl games and all that stuff, th- I mean, that adds to that college experience, whether you're ever end up actually taking meaningful snaps or not. So it gets easier yep, as you get better right. to to con- get convince those kids to come here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, my aunt and uncle followed their uh, their son and. and Steps onto the, the Orange Bowl in 83, right? He was a walk-on running back from Fremont Bergen, I think, or something, right? Didn't play a a, a down, but uh, that was a part of the experience, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it's also not only a part of the experience for the state, but it, those walk-ons help establish the culture of the program, right? Those are the guys that are going to be there for four or five years, whether they play that much or not, and the work ethic and all the things about Nebraska – um, are really uh, resonate with them and that can bleed over to the scholarship guys that are coming from Florida or California, et cetera. That's a, it's, a, I mean, it's not saying that again, we're not saying it's a myth that that's been lost entirely, but could it be strengthened? I think the answer is probably yes. Sweep left. All right guys, next on the go Big Redcast is Sweep Left, which is our wide angle view of all things college football. And uh, it's bowl season, guys. Uh, happy bowl season! We do have the ESPN College uh, Pick'em Bowl Pick'em out there right now. It kicked off last Saturday with five or six bowl games. Uh, just had the uh, Cherry Tart Burundi Bowl or whatever it was in Boca Raton tonight, uh, where Florida Atlantic uh, blew out Akron. So hopefully that was your your 40 uh, 41 point game
2: uh honky how you doing on this uh bull pick on am well uh much like espn president john skipper i'm going to resign for substance abuse because uh <laughs> i i made my 40 picks and somehow i i flipped them exactly upside down so my my 40 point pick that i thought i got uh <laughs> boise beating oregon uh was my one point win and but you inverse for me the order. Lucky for me, my one pointer, the one I thought was, uh, I had Middle Tennessee State winning and sure enough they came through. So I got I got my forty points. What's interesting is I have two different bowl picks That explains pick-ems. a lot, huh? Yeah. I have two different bowl pickums going right now. The one with the red cast and then one that I uh, did through my mom's work, and uh they are exact of opposites of each other. So we'll see. Uh-huh. We'll see, you know. You
0: know I, I did like the fact that earlier this week you were actually Beating everyone else in the in the red cast with your bowl picks being completely reversed, so I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it, made, made it does say
1: it. a lot about your ability to prognosticate. I
2: guess. Well, I was I was really looking forward to Boise winning that game. Royce Freeman wasn't going to play because since he just decided to sit out a bowl because that's what we do now. Yeah, you know, I took I took
1: uh, Oregon because of the uh, Justin Herbert is going to be back. Uh, they've been prolific as an offense. Uh, I did not read that Royce Freeman was out, so I missed that game. It was a small point total, uh, but that—that that was my bet. You know this—these uh, players sitting out bowl games. Anybody with pro potential now they want to sit out. Royce Freeman was on the sidelines during that game, interacting with his teammates, but he just wasn't playing. Uh, it, it's odd, uh, and it's clearly trending upward. Uh, guys, what do you—what do you think about this? Boomer?
0: Uh, I guess I have a hard time really criticizing players from sitting out in these things. Uh, you know, it's 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 tough to to say, oh yeah, you should be out there you know, working with your team, that sort of stuff. And there's there's some truth to that, but however, let's be honest, these guys are here to go professional and that's what they're here to do. And these bowl games Injuries could have happened at any point though, you They know? could, I mean... they could. But then again, why run the risk I guess? If, and like we've you know heard many times, these are just exhibitions, and these players aren't professionals. So, well, okay, sure. if that's true, then I guess we can't really criticize them for just trying to preserve their professional status in nature here. This only started a few years ago, though, right? Hockey.
2: I mean, can you re- remember when it first started? I think that's where it started to trend from. Um, I think that mm-hmm. there's kind of I have two different ways of looking at this. One of them is the NCA. With the, with the college playoff, it, it's kind of created this monster because you're either playing in the games that matter, the the, the four teams that are in the, those playoff games, or everything else has kind of been devalued a little bit. So that if you are with 40 plus bowl games and everything, if you are Oregon and Boise playing on December fifteenth, it's essentially like, well, that game doesn't mean anything. If if I'm a right. if I'm a fifth year senior that you know my team went seven and five and we're just lucky to be bowling anyways, you know it's. It, it's kind of created that that there are certain games that have a lot of value and certain ones that don't. The other thing that I think sure. the NCAA can do on the back end of this to maybe kind of even the field is is that, okay, you're going to have some fourth- and fifth-year players that maybe aren't going to be playing in bowl games. What can you do to offset that? Maybe Redshirts should be able to play. And we talked about this last year when Nebraska played. That would add
1: some interest.
2: Yeah, when Nebraska mm-hmm. played Tennessee in the bowl game and didn't have a quarterback basically other than Fife. Maybe it would have been a great opportunity to be able to play Tanner Lee, to play P.O.B., who are sitting out red shirts. Or, you know, I guess sure. they couldn't have played because sure. of the transfer. But, well, heck, make the transfer rule. Yeah, Allow it, make you that know, rule. yeah. It's a bowl game. A rule. Let, yeah. let players play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it would have you know a, a
1: an extended practice session there of several weeks to get a quarterback that hasn't played um, up to speed, almost like spring ball, essentially. So
0: I, I think there's some – Validity to that idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Boomer. No, I like that idea. That just makes a lot more sense. Uh, you know, the regular season's over, and you know, these the bowl games are supposed to be fun, rewards, that kind of thing. And that would be a great way to transition to that next year. You uh, give people a reason to stay, stick around. You know, see what can happen, and it would be a good boost. I, I, I actually like that idea, Hunky. Yeah, I give you credit it, for that. That's good thinking. It, I like that. It does pique the fan interest as well, right? I mean, Absolutely. Because yeah, right now, I mean, let's five. be honest, how much interest did anyone ever have in the Independence Bowl? I mean, outside of. The Poland you know.
1: Weed Eater Independence Bowl? Well, it,
0: it worked well for Poulon Weed Eater. I mean, I know <laughs> what they right. are, I've known what Poulon's done ever since. But now that would be a <laughs> great way to at least get some fan interest back into these. You know, like you said, the bowl games don't mean anything anymore. Some I think that would be a, a fabulous way to do that. I like that. Are, uh, you know, trying to develop
1: more um, significance with their, their trophies. You know, I've seen, I don't know if you saw that on Twitter, the Birmingham Bowl launched a, a really large uh, iron statue um, of a, a statue, a re- replica of a statue that's actually looks over the city of Birmingham. It's Vulcan, a Roman god, and it's, uh, it's uh, the backside of Vulcan is, uh, well, it's not fully clothed if you follow my drift. Have you seen that, guys?
0: Uh, yeah, it was going around Twitter. We did. Yeah, it, w- it was. It was viewable. And hey, when you're a Roman <laughs> god, you don't have to wear pants, Dave. That's just a that's, rule of thumb. There, They, can, they right, can do man, what they that's want.
1: Right. So. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's uh, just a it's a nice little uh, add-on for some of these uh, lower tier bowls to give the the winning team a you know really substantial trophy that they can take home. I think home. I think
2: since these bowl games are major, you know major games, you should give a major award. They're like major the awards. Players. Wouldn't that be, that would be like an awesome, you know, bowl trophy you could take back? You can light it up. That would be, I'm all for that. Yeah.
1: The Christmas story bowl. That's right. I think that could play. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, guys. Um, well, I we want to encourage everyone else out there to uh, pay attention to their uh, bowl pick em if they've already joined us. Uh, you probably could beat hockey still if you join now. I don't know, but <laughs> give it a shot. Give it a good shot. Uh, he, He's going to keep his inverse picks uh, in there, and we'll see how they turn out. Yeah, right? white change now? No, absolutely. It's working for you, buddy. <laughs> trivia time. Hey, Boomer, we got some uh, bowl trivia by chance?
0: I do. I th- thought I'd keep it uh, quick and simple this week um, with the bowl season upon us. Uh, I'm asking you guys, in the history of uh, what would be FBS level play, how many bowl games have been played outside of the U.S.?
1: And they're actually postseason bowls. Yes, is that correct. Correct. So the Bahamas Don't Bowl. We've been experiencing the Bahamas Bowl, the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl, I believe, for the last two or three years. I feel like there was a bowl game in Cuba, way back in the fifties.
2: Whoa. We'll call it the we'll call it the Cigar Bowl, but I'm not for certain. I know there's the International Bowl that was like in Toronto that was like played in February or something. By the time they got to that. Um, oh, was, was that postseason though? That was postseason. That right. was it. So, was one of the BCS so that's years? That's one right there, right? There was like a BCS Play- year where, where you know, you had all the New Year's bowls, and then somebody played on January second for some reason, then someone on the third and the fourth, and this international bowl was like January sixth. That was, and and the teams that were in it were just, you know, god awful mid majors. So. All
1: right, well that that counts though, right? They probably played at the Rogers Center or Sky Dome, right? So that's yeah, that would, say that would count outside of the. So I'd be three at this point, I would say. Uh, Mexico? Any chance we played anything in Mexico? There's a chance. Hawaii before it was a state? but <laughs> <laughs> I... I, don't, I don't think we played actual bowl games in, in Europe or in Asia. There's been the Tokyo Bowl or whatnot. We played in that, but it wasn't. That yeah, was bowl during bowl, the season. Was season. All the Australia stuff everything.
2: has been during the season that I'm aware of, yep. at least. So... Uh, what do we say? Bahamas, the Cuba one. If you got that right, that's awesome, Dave. I didn't I, know that. And then I think I think that's and then true. Canada International. Bowl. Let's go with those three. We'll go
1: three.
0: Well done. The correct answer is three, and you and you hammered yes. all three of them. Uh, the current <coughs> one is the Popeyes uh, Bahamas Bowl, which I'm not even sure if there is a Popeyes anywhere in the Bahamas, but really nothing <laughs> screams Caribbean more to me than a you know chicken biscuit sandwich or whatever you can get at lovely Popeyes. Uh, the International Bowl was correct. It was played for several years there in Canada, and they would run it, yeah, kind of in the odd times of January. One was played January 6th, and it was mostly forgettable. And then the uh, Cuba Bowl you're thinking of, Dave, was technically known as the uh, Bacardi Bowl, also called the Rumba Bacardi Bowl at various Bowl. times. Oh. And it kind of ran sporadically, just kind of on and off every few years. And it continued on. They re- they played it about seven times, and the last one was in '46. And it never did quite uh, have any sort of resurgence after that. I guess watch Godfather 2 if you want to figure out why. So <laughs> had a little trouble after that, but and that was kind of an odd bowl. Sometimes it would be U.S. teams playing there, and sometimes they would match up against the college teams from Cuba. So it was kind of an odd thing. So that so they, is that is odd. I, yeah, I they played the inter- the, the University of Havana was in it good. several times. The Cuban Athletic Club. Uh, had a few appearances in it, and even the uh, Vedado Tennis Club fielded a team against Florida one year, and that didn't end <laughs> well. Uh, and then Auburn and Villanova played each other in it one year too, just because, you know, why wouldn't they? No. Gotcha.
1: All right, that's great though. We actually got that. Uh, yeah, I'm we impressed. Gotta, I mean, we, we haven't gotten too many of your your your, your, uh, your trivia, so no, I'm gonna have to have we'll, the difficulty we'll next out. week. Nebraska Uh Guys, you know the Nebraska basketball program is uh, one long, sad story of what ifs and Uh, how close is, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, boomers are. Yeah, I mean, this
0: is, we're the Greek tragedy of uh, NCAA basketball. I mean, you know, Euripides would look at us and have pity on us. There's just no way around it. I mean, it's awful. Our
1: our good friends from Lawrence came up to Lincoln on Saturday night uh, and uh, gave us a game. And we uh, responded with actually a, another solid performance from the home crowd, uh, in front of the home crowd, sellout crowd. And at the end of the day, we, uh, you know, Kansas made a play at the end to take the lead, and we did not make a play to, to regain that lead. Uh, James Palmer ditching off to Anton Gill, misses, rebounds. Uh, could have been a foul I don't know it doesn't really matter we, we lose 73-72 and frustration still still reigns in Lincoln now um, there's hopefully three kind of cream puff games here you go 10-5 and five and then you start uh, Big Ten play What are, what's your take on this uh, guys you think Nebraska basketball will bounce back from that tough loss and actually build upon it and, and maybe uh, make some noise in Big Ten play now
2: yeah, I think I think one of the first things to do is to go back two weeks and and what we have been saying prior to these four games, we knew this stretch was going to be brutal, vicious, and yep. and it was and and we're not thrilled coming out of it one and three and yet many of us probably thought we were going to go own four during it so we won one of the games, I think we would have said hey if we could be competitive in, in a couple of them and we mo- were more than competitive against Creighton and. And certainly Kansas. It's. I mean, at some point there are moral victories, and it's like we gotta, we just gotta start winning one of these. But right now we're sitting at seven and five. We have three cupcakes coming up, and those are the important ones right now that you just cannot lose. The, no incarnate words, no any one of those you know Maryland Baltimore sh- Baltimore Shore or whatever the ones that we've had in the past can't afford any yep. of those. And if we can be ten and five at the end of the year at the end of 2017 if we're 10 and 5 and we're 1 and 1 in conference and that 1 and 1 is against the two top teams Michigan State and yeah we got yep, blown out right. but then Minnesota's probably the second best team and we beat them so if you're that and you have 16 games left in conference after that you know going 8 and 8 uh, 500 the rest of the way you're 18 and 13 at the end of the year if you can just get one more if you can go 9 and 7 now you're 19 and 12 that's right where we're at. we're at when we made the NCAA tournament so, and I think the team is playing better. It, it, it's play, It started off slow. You've got guys that hadn't played in a while, Copeland and Palmer. They're starting to play well. I, I'm, I'm gonna wear the. I'm wearing the scarlet colored glasses right now for Nebraska ball. And why not? I'll get I'll get kicked in the stomach by it. You know, I, I've been Nebraska ball fan my whole <laughs> life. But but I, I this is to me yeah. the most talented team I've seen us have since 2000 at least.
1: I, it, they do look the part, right? Yes. I mean, let's let's say that. And they sure haven't backed down from Creighton or Kansas in the last two games. Boomer, what, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, we've certainly looked a lot more physical than any Nebraska team we've had in a long time. Uh, in, in hockey nailed what they need to do going forward. You can't have the failure here in these next three games. got to win these, win these convincingly. Don't even look sluggish against any of them. Go out and win those, and then... You come right out in the Big Ten play, and you've got Northwestern, who's been at bugbear Forest. us. Purdue's, you know, been ranked this year, so that's a, that would be a nice win to add to your to resume if you can get that. And then Wisconsin. So there's three big, you know, typical Big Ten, you know, big games right there. So if you can win those, or even go two and three in that stretch, you're looking pretty good. And we don't get Michigan State again, so we luck out in that end of it. We don't have to play them a second time, so we don't have to worry about that potential loss. So there's a win there. And going back to the Kansas game, we did see some good things out of players. You know, Copeland had a good game, and uh, Allen came out and scored a lot of points. So we're getting good production out of the bench from him. And, you know, Palmer, Watson were in double digits. Again, I'd really just wish Jordy could do something, you know, offensively speaking. He just really hasn't been producing inside at all. And and that's been a big weakness for us. I, I wish, you know, we could see something a little better out of him, but... Yeah, Hunk, yeah
1: you've been critical
2: up. I like on, on, on Jordy. What's
1: that, Dave? I said you've been pretty critical on uh, of Jordy for for good reasons, right? He's just, he's not producing. I, I don't know if that's a missing element of this
2: team, but it, it sure be nice to I, have. I mean, it's no one feels worse about it than Jordy. Obviously, it's he's not sure. finishing. You know, at within shots that are within three to four feet. I mean, very high percentage shots. He's just not finishing. I'm not. I. I you know, claimed this before. I'm not the, the basketball X's and O's guy that, that you are Dave for sure. But it does to me, it looks like Jordy, when he gets the ball under, underneath, he just tries to do too much. He's trying to make long movements. He's trying to dribble. He's, and he just has to be able to get, get that ball out of his hands to, as quick as he, as he gets it sure. in there. You know I mean? That's, nope, I think that's, that's been half that's his problem. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean,
1: when we looked at the big 10 scheduled to start this year, uh, it looked pretty daunting. It looks, uh, especially on the front end, pretty difficult to navigate and see how you could get to a scenario where you're going to finish uh, in the top half. I mean, hypothetically speaking, you could have saw us going 0-5 to start the season because you have the two games we've already played, Michigan State and Minnesota, and then uh, starting in January we have at Northwestern, at Purdue, and then Wisconsin comes to, to Lincoln. Fortunately, uh, the Big Ten might not be quite as strong as uh, kind of expected. Northwestern attorney team last year struggling a bit. I don't think the Northwestern home field advantage is going to be that that strong. Uh, Purdue still could be a challenge, especially with their bigs. Uh, but then uh, Wisconsin is also below 500. No givens here, but sort of going 0-5. There's clearly an opportunity to be 2-3 out of that stretch, if not 3-2 or. Or whatnot, mm-hmm. and then the, the back end of the schedule does lighten up a little bit. And so, you know, uh, way I look at it from an RPI standpoint and a resume standpoint is the Creighton game on the road, or the Kansas game, a ranked Kansas team coming into Lincoln. One of those victories would have gone a long way on that resume. It's not just just a W in that scenario because when when you're actually getting a, compared. You're winning non-conference games against quality opponents. That goes a long ways. We missed that opportunity. But the opportunity still is there in the Big Ten to finish at least in the top six, I would say. And that should get you pretty close to your saying those magic numbers of 19 wins, um, maybe 10 and 8, uh, 11 and 7 would, would be a lock, I would think. So the opportunity's out there. I think we're going to find it real quick. you got to win these three cream puffs the next three games actually in Big Ten play will kind of dictate where this team takes it, you know? Yep. And we're going to find out. I mean, uh, it's Miles' fifth year. Six. I don't think he's – is it his sixth? I've been debating on this for quite a while. It's his sixth year. Oh, man. The infamous six-year Collier got six. Sadler six. Well, Collier Collier got probably got out more, but he only took. Six. Well, I'll
2: I'll say the same thing about Miles. I guess I would have said going into the football season with Riley. I wanted to I want to see progress, right? And right now, I, I'm seeing progress with this team. It, it, this team is playing better than it has played in the previous years. This is a hard schedule. We understand that. It's playing well. We have three guys right now between Watson and Copeland and Palmer. That can all create shots on their own. That that can create points. Um, I've heard it, you know, create point uh, points uh, out of system points. You know, that's that's a good way of thinking about this. We have th- we have that happening. We also, when we go and play Purdue this year, we can physically match up against a big team. We have a lot of different types of, of, of you know matchups that you know and, and lineups that we can get out there. I I think our best lineup period has been when we've seen. Roby on the floor with with Copeland, and then any kind of combination of of Palmer and and, and Watson. And like you said, Boomer, Allen started to step in there and hit shots. I mean, we've, we've got some guys that can score some points. When you play a team like Purdue or maybe even like Wisconsin, that's when it's important to have Doobie or or Jordy, big guys that can be posting up against you know seven footers and and so we have a lot of different types of lineups. I I think that's going to benefit us as the season goes on. And, and I, like I said, I am optimistic, but it, we have to see progress. Like we this can't be a this this can't be in those last sixteen games where we go six and ten in close losses. I mean, you've got to start yeah, sure. winning those games. Sure. Down the stretch, you can't have a yeah. Of
0: moral victories, you can't. Yeah, you can't have that. So,
1: I think bottom line, just simply do the math. If we win these next three games, and you get to ten and five, and you have sixteen conference games left, eight and eight, which get you a nine and nine, five hundred record in conference play, would get you eighteen and thirteen, yep. if I'm not mistaken, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And that would be, it should be borderline NCA. Uh, 19 and 12 would would you have to feel pretty good about it if you slip backwards 17 14 16 and 15 That's more in the NIT range and that's probably the the basement the improvement factor, right? Because if this team does land the NIT it, that's something that Amazingly outside of ten miles is one NCAA tournament bid team. They have not produced a winning record in postseason play and so that would be progress and opposed to the year that we did make the NSA tournament with petaway and and in company I don't see Isaac Copeland immediately going to the nBA right now right I mean James Palmer any of these guys I' mean, anton Gill's a, a senior but a lot of these transfers uh where they've got two to play I could see that next year uh I don't want to say wait till next year but next year could be a a really good team if a lot
2: of these guys stick around. Finally, well, that's that's Nebraska ball talk for you right there. That's the next year, right? Yeah, Yep. it's next you know, year. We, right? we weren't expecting Pittsburgh. Let's, to, let,
1: I say to, they they can do it this year, yeah. but I'm saying if the way this team plays, it's not like there's a superstar. Like Trent was clearly the best guy out there for a while, right? Sure. And so I, I I didn't blame the guy for for trying to go to the NBA, even though he's probably playing in Europe now. I don't know, um, but. I don't see anybody on this team right now thinking, "Wow, I'm going to go get drafted in the you know, two rounds yeah. of the NBA." Draft. It's just,
2: so. it's just, it's the the curse of Nebraska ball, right? It's the Walter Pitchfords that leave for bizarre reasons, yeah. or Andrew Whites that, that right. take off late. It, but to your point, if that core of that team, if if the Copeland, Walt, uh, Watson, and, and Palmer trio of juniors come back, yeah. and just you don't have some unexpected other guys leaving, yeah, you that's a great core and. and there's a lot to look forward to to next year. All the more important that these last 16 games. Assuming we win these next three, I that has to be an yeah. assumption. You've got to win those three, and then those last 16. You know, like you even said, Dave, it starts off a little strong, but it, it fades off. And so, oh know, yeah, it's wide open. Win those that. games. You've played this early schedule to that this difficult schedule now should be benefiting us come come late January and February and so on. Yep, absolutely.
1: All right, guys, anything else on uh, Nebraska ball? Awesome. Let's uh, let's wrap this up with some parting shots. I'm hoping you guys have something. <laughs> uh, Hockey. <laughs> why not you take it away? Well, I'll,
2: I'll just start by saying we have a Twitter poll out here this week. Uh, what is your What has you most excited about the new Nebraska offense? So far about 350 votes. It's going to be out here until Friday. And uh, mobile QB at 49% and then tempo at uh, 21%. Option nineteen and balance at eleven percent. So go out there and uh, go out there and vote if you haven't yet. As far as the parting shot goes, obviously this has been a trend for the last few weeks. We've been talking volleyball and what a magical weekend it was. Um, and just a, I, I'm pulling one quote out of uh, the Florida volleyball coach uh, Mary Weiss. Uh, her, uh, her one of her quotes was, "We're thrilled to advance to the to play this last road match." And it just got me thinking that, you know, I've heard others make similar statements <laughs> before when we played in Final Fours in Omaha. And, and, and whenever the College World Series comes around, I you know, I don't want to ever hear from Florida schools, you know, about complaining about having to play somewhere else, you know, for a, a collegiate title game. You know, as a Husker fan who's played in the, you know, watch this team play in the Orange Bowl enough time against Miami, I that just – I was like, give me a break. <laughs> so it was great to see us win in Kansas city, you know, with 16,000 red clad, uh, maniacs out there. So anyways, great job, John yep. cook. Great job, girls. That was awesome. Go big red.
1: Go. Great point there. Honk. Huh? Actually, if you I think if you look at the next, uh, NCA volleyball, final fours, they're all like in big 10, uh, or big 12 land. they like go to like Pittsburgh and then they come back to Omaha and then they go to like, it's interesting, right? I mean, and that, that's where the fans are at, right? Yep. So, hey, don't blame us, right? Yeah, well, if if uh, your Florida fans would show up, you probably could get a final four down there. Yep. So, all right, Boomer.
0: Now, I just wanted to continue with what Honky said and congratulate the the volleyball team on a outstanding season and a and a fine fine championship. I always love crushing SEC teams for that so that's always enjoyable. And uh, I would just like to remind uh Bill and Moose that while you're casting the uh, Ewald Jumbo steam statue, you might as well have him make a Terry Pettit and John Cook one. We can mount those around campus as well. So, save some time and get it all done at once. And Probably Mike a uh,
2: Boomer, who's the, who's mm-hmm. the uh, wrestling who's the wrestler that we uh, need to get a statue made of? Oh, too? Baron
0: Von Raschke, Yes, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. That's that's one of my resolutions for 2018. We've got to get we got to induct Rasky. the Baron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. James Raschke. Yeah.
1: Alright guys uh, well we uh, we might be back next week for a uh, a Christmas week show but we're not for certain so if we don't aren't back uh, Merry Christmas to, to everyone listening on the Redcast happy holidays uh, and uh, happy New Year as well we'll be we'll be back either next week or the following week with another go big redcast
0: GBR happy holidays GBR.